we want to say thank you for continuing to support the ministry of Family of Grace Church. God is doing some great things through this body of Christ, and we're really beginning to see an impact in Alexandria and the surrounding region. Many of you are watching, and you're from outside of Alexandria, and we thank you for your continued support. We do want to apologize for not being on the air a couple of weeks with the Children's Miracle Network and the races, and so today we're glad to be back up and running last week and then coming to you today. We have finished up the Uncomfortable Gospel series, and we are moving forward in a new direction this summer. This summer, we normally would preach through a book of the Bible, and it's easy for people to stay connected as they're traveling and all of those things. But based on where we are as a nation, we are finding that our family and people watching online and television are responding with questions, and they're wanting to know answers to many difficult things. And so what our desire is for this summer is to preach to you on some difficult subjects that are not being discussed in church. And our desire is for you to be able to know not what man thinks, not what the news outlet or political pundits think, but what does the Word of God say. So if you have your Bible today, take it and turn with us to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to give you an introduction to this sermon series for this summer. A uh, good way to look at this sermon today would be tomorrow's news report. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up. As we go through this sermon series this summer, there are three questions that we want you to constantly think about as we deal with difficult subjects uh, such as homosexuality, transgender, politics, race, uh, suicide, other issues. As we go through these hard subjects to deal with this summer, there are three questions we want you to keep asking yourself. Number one, what does the Bible say in the context that it's written? Number two, what is the Bible saying to me? And then number three, what does God want me to do about it? So if you have your Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at this. I would encourage you to read the whole text. For the sake of time, we're going to give you a snippet of it this morning. But I believe this message will really encourage you and really give you some instruction and some things to think about. I hope this message will really and truly bless your heart. And that from your childhood you have learned, you, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, Timothy, don't forget this. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, we've gone through this passage of Scripture, and we've looked at this, and I wanted to do this for a reason, because we want to look at an anchor verse for what we're looking at all summer. There's a couple of verses in here that serve as that anchor verse. The first one is that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. A form, a a structure. They, they look like they have godliness, but they have no power. Today, I believe one of the greatest tragedies that faces our country is not our politics, but it is the church without power. The church without power. Because the church is not living according to the gospel of Jesus Christ and what the Bible says. The church is living according to the theory of man and not the absolute authority 
of the Word of God. The one thing that the world hates today, no matter what country you travel to, is absolute authority. They cast off absolute authority. They cast off the respect that comes with that authority. He says the problem is not that you do not have a form, that you do not have a place to worship. The problem, young Timothy, is not that people aren't going to church. The problem is not that they're not part of the New Testament church. The problem is that they are modeling the church after the statute of man and not according to the premise of God. Amen. Now, when we look at this, they move forward, but the main anchor verse is this. For all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training, for the righteousness of God, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped in every good work. God does not want us to exist as a half-hearted believer. He does not want us to exist without the authority, without being complete, without having everything that we need. Don't you know it's so easy to do a job if you are equipped with the right tool? Amen? Think about just mowing your lawn. I mean, you can mow your lawn with a riding mower, which is very easy. You can, ride, you can mow your lawn with a push mower, and it's a little bit harder. You can mow your lawn with a push mower without an engine. That's a lot harder. You can mow your lawn with a weed eater. That's even harder. Or you can mow your lawn with a sling blade. That's even a lot harder. And I'm afraid that we are going about this thing completely wrong because we are approaching it. We are approaching a world that is overcome with the power of darkness, with the authority of the devil, and we are so lukewarm. We are such pacifists in the Word of God that we are not equipped we are not ready. We are not walking in the anointing. We are not walking in the authority of the Word of God, but we are walking in the theory of man. Amen. The theory of man cannot overcome the power of darkness. Does it seem like darkness is prevailing? Does it seem like darkness is winning? Does it seem like we're on the losing team? It's because we are walking without the power. We have a powerful tool. We have a powerful tool, but we have chosen something without power. We have chosen, just think about the mowing your lawn illustration. When you're sitting on a lawnmower, you are following the power of that machine. You are riding the power of that machine. But when you choose to get your sling blade out. Not only are you using your own power, but that tool is bringing you no power. It's only bringing you an edge, and you have to put all the energy, all the effort, all the sweat, all everything to make that thing move for it to accomplish the task. I'm telling you today that the church is operating in the flesh. We have believers that are operating in the flesh. They are walking in the flesh, and that's why they are not walking in the Spirit. And when you are not walking in the Spirit, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh and not the desire of the Spirit. I believe today that what we need more than anything is a revival of the Word of God, a revival of the Word of God in the home. Amen? Quit worrying about the schoolhouse. 
Quit worrying about, about the White House. Worry about our house and the revival of the Word of God when we cast ourselves on the Word of God so that we might be equipped, that we might be walking in the power, walking in the anointing to walk in victory. A revival of the Word of God in your personal life. You can't lead somebody where you're not willing to go yourself. When we think about this, there's three things, there are four things I want to show you today about this passage of Scripture. When we look at this passage of Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration. It's inspired by God. When you think about that, that's one of our first essentials. If you want to be part of family of grace, not just as an attender, but want to be part as a family member, we have to believe in the authority of the Word of God, the inerrancy of the Word of God, and that it was given and it was moved upon the heart of man when by the Spirit of God, that it was God-breathed, that God breathed into the Word of God and gave it life. I mean, if that word is not true and we start saying, well, this isn't true and that's true and the axe head didn't float and, you know, Jonah really couldn't hang out in the belly of a well for three days and three nights, I'm telling you that if God could not prepare a man and God could not prepare a fish supernaturally for a man to camp out in that dude for three days, cause him to spit him up on the seashore and send him back to Nineveh preaching, then he has no power to get Jesus up on the third day, no power to overcome death hell in the grave i might just preach a while right here i'm telling you today on the authority of the word of god that if he can't make iron flow he can't make the dead come back to life and i'm telling you that the dead was resurrected in jesus christ i'm telling you just put the word of god away you don't even need the bible to prove it just go to history history grapples with it matter of fact i've said this before but jesus split time it was before christ amen that's how we calendared events and then when Christ came on the scene, we began to measure things differently. B.C. and A.D. Amen. He split time. You're an unbeliever. You're an atheist. Every time you put something on your calendar, you're acknowledging before Christ, after Christ. As we think about this, what is the cause for it? Well, the Bible says this in verses 5 through 7 in um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's read these here. The cause of this problem, the cause of where we are today, is laid out right here. It says they hold to a form of religion but deny its power, avoid these people. Let me tell you about this, and this doesn't mean to seem bragging, but over the last several weeks, there's been several families, multiple families, that we've been able to engage with, that we begin to be able to do ministry with. We've been able to pray with, we've been able to stay up late with, we've been able to cry with, who have come to us in the middle of a crisis, yet they go to somebody else's church. They attend another church. They go somewhere else. They go to a church, but I'm telling you that when the rubber met the road and it was the midnight hour and there was a crisis coming, you know where they came? They came to a crazy preacher who just believes the word of God and says, God, I believe the same power that rose 
raised Jesus from the dead is effectively working within us on our behalf for the glory of God that we may impact the kingdom of heaven by decreasing the expansion of the kingdom of darkness. Are you with me today, church? Are you hearing what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying this morning? I am saying that you must cast yourself on the mercy of the word of God. We've got to quit Mickey Mousing around. The form of godliness will not work when you've been diagnosed with cancer. The form of godliness will not work for the families that are their children are struggling with heroin. The form of godliness will not work. It will not work when a spouse walks out the door. The form of godliness will not work when you're going into bankruptcy. The form of godliness will not work when you're losing your job. I'm telling you, you need something with some resolve in it. Are you hearing me today, church? You need something with some unction in it. You need something with some anointing on it that will give you the power, will give you the strength, and will give you the victory. Because of the problem that we are facing as a nation is not a democratic problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's not an independent problem. It's not a liberal problem. It's not a conservative problem. It's a church problem that the church has yielded. Oh my goodness. The church has yielded the authority, the power, and the anointing that was given unto it by the Father Jesus, by the Father in heaven. We have yielded that to the government. We have yielded it to the world. And I am telling you, God may have sanctioned the government, but he didn't anoint it. He didn't give it the power. He gave the power to the church. He didn't tell Caesar, go to Jerusalem, and when you get there, you shall receive power when it comes upon you, when the Holy Ghost invades your life in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He didn't tell that to the United Way. He didn't tell that to other organizations. He told that to the church he said you shall receive power the bride of Christ shall receive the power are you picking up what I'm putting down today church then why are we living so powerless the last couple of months you may have read an article in the newspaper this week 12 families have lost a child due to heroin overdose 12 families 12 in 60 days And in the article, in the article it said, things come in cycles, and we're in one of those cycles. I'm telling you today, church, we're not in a cycle, we're in a full-out epidemic. We're in a full-out epidemic, and the government doesn't have the answer. The church has the answer, but they're asleep at the wheel. They're thinking, oh my goodness, the, the, the world is looking to us. And we don't have the answer because we have yielded the authority of the word of God. We have, we have lowered the authority of the word of God to a theory of man and not his authority. The cause. They have a form of godliness. You reject, you refuse its power. From such people turn away. The cause is overwhelming. What is the cause? Go back to chapter 2 here. You'll see it. When you look in chapter 2, he's talking to him about being an approved workman, which need not be at the shame, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you go down just a little bit further, he says, but avoid irreverent, uh, irrelevant, empty speech, because it only produces a greater measure of godlessness. Think about that. 
we got so many people wanting to debate the Word of God today. What's true, what's not. All these things. If you've been through our Connections class, we spent a lot of time on this. And he's saying all that does is multiply godlessness. And he says, and their word will spread. The King James here uses canker. It will spread like canker. You say, man, I don't know what canker is. Boy, you don't want to get that on you. It'll be something that won't come off. Even grandma's lye soap won't clean it off. What is canker? If you look that up in the Greek, it literally means gangrene. It means a disease by which any part of the body suffering from inflammation becomes so corrupt that unless a remedy be sensibly applied, the evil will continually spread and attack other parts, and at last it will eat away at the bone itself. You know what's wrong, church? We have doubted the word of God so long that the church has developed canker. A gangrene that is set up in the church. Well, this won't fill up the collection plate. And it has eaten away at the bone. And it has dissolved the bone. And you know what the first bone that went away was the one called the backbone. Preachers don't have backbone anymore. Deacons don't have backbones. Elders don't have backbones. Laity doesn't have backbone anymore. And that's the cause. The cause of where we are. The cause of this chaos. The cause of all these things is that we are being devoured by a form of godliness. And it's just a form. It's just a form. One of our pastors pointed this out in our sermon preparation. It says, uh, we have been vaccinated from the truth. And when you think about vaccination, it's a dead strand of the virus. They literally take a small strand of the virus and put it in you to vaccinate you from it. And we have taken, we have been vaccinated from the truth. We have vaccinated ourselves with a dead strand of the gospel. And we don't believe it. If we really believed it, guys, if we really believed it, Pastor Brandon, our youth pastor, wouldn't have had to be on a bus this morning. Week in, week out. Getting here early. Driving the bus to go pick up kids, pick up adults. If we really believe the word of God, we'd have been on a bus this morning, going through the city, blowing the horn, saying, get on this bus! Get on this bus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. This world's going down. But you, hey, you, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe not shouting that out through the streets, but that's what had been jumping up on the inside of you. You know why we don't subcontract out the work of the ministry? You know why we're engaging in those four missionaries to live missionally throughout the city? Because we believe it. As your staff, we believe it. We believe we have the answer. We believe Jesus is the answer. We believe in the authority of the world we, and, the, and the word of God. We believe in the authority of the word of God to change the world. Twelve families that have, parent, children have overdosed with heroin within the last several months. 
They don't need help. They need a miracle. They need the power and presence of a holy God to move in their heart and life. Only Jesus can get you through that. The cause. The second thing is the condition. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the conditions. It's listed there. 19 things he lists. Now, if we preached on all those, we'd be here till Christmas. But every one of them he listed. Those things that he lists is only a symptom. What are they a symptom of? That we have no more bone in our spiritual body because the gangrene has devoured it. It is eaten away at the bone. And we have found ourselves straining with these things. We have, we're straining. We're straining to sanctify disobedience to parents. We're straining to sanctify irrec- to be irreconcilable. Can I put that where you can understand it? To be unforgiving. We're straining to sanctify unforgiveness. We're straining to sanctify ungodliness. We're straining to sanctify recklessness. We're straining to sanctify brutalness. We're straining to sanctify blasphemy. We're straining to sanctify an unholy life. We're straining to sanctify it. We're straining to reduce the word of God down to the premise of man. We're straining at it. The symptom, the condition. Verses 3, 1 through 4 lays it out. It's laid out very clearly in Revelation chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus writes to the angels, the leaders of the church, and seven churches in the book of Revelation. But he points out to two of them, he says, You have this one thing, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And when you look at that word, Nico, it means to conquer. In the Greek, it means to conquer, and when you look at the word lation, it means laity. It says, here's what you have going for you. You hate this. You hate the doctrine of them. You hate the doctrine of them because they're trying to conquer the laity. The Nicolaitans are trying to conquer the laity. Conquer the laity. Then you go down to another church that he addresses in verse 15, and he says, you are holding to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You've been conquered. You know why we're in a mess? Because the church has been conquered. Don't shout me down when I'm telling the truth now. The church has been conquered. We're preaching off of best-selling books. We're preaching without the word of God. You've got preachers that stand and preach a whole sermon. And they only read a text because they know they're supposed to have a text, but they never come back to the text because the text doesn't apply to what they're saying. They just needed a jumping off point so they wouldn't get fired. We're in a situation where we're finding movies, and that's our series. We're preaching on movies, and we're trying to take what the world has given us. You know, we're trying to spin it, and in the process of spinning it, we've had a spell cast over us, and the laity has been conquered. The laity has been conquered. The laity has been conquered. You know, the only preachers getting fired anymore are those that are preaching the Word of God. 
the ones that are preaching the truth, preaching the uncomfortable gospel, the ones who are standing up saying, this is the inspired word of God. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it. Oh, wait, dude's got to go. I remember whenever I first started pastoring, we was in a battle over the inerrancy of the word of God. We were actually, I remember I was a young pastor, and I was like, I can't believe we're actually talking about this. And uh, I remember I, I spoke to somebody called me that I knew, and uh, they called me up. They said, why do you want to be a fundamentalist? And so I'm pretty simple-minded. And they said, you know, like, like, it, it, like I just got cu- it was like a, I just got cussed. Like, I felt like I was cussed. And so I went and looked up the definition of a fundamentalist. And it's basically one who holds to the principal teachings. And I thought, dang, I guess they cussed me right. I was listening to a sermon a couple of weeks ago by Leonard Ravenhill on the power of prayer. The message I did not know when beginning to listen to it was right after the election of Ronald Reagan, right after the moral majority. And he says, I believe the greatest tragedy facing our country today is the moral majority without conviction. The moral majority, he said, the greatest tragedy facing our nation is dead fundamentalism, dead fundamentalism. Dead fundamentalism. You know what that is? It's where somebody says, I believe this book. I believe the authority of the word of God. I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. But it doesn't translate in their life. It's one thing to believe it. But you don't believe it unless you're living it. I'm telling you today, people say we need to, we need to pray for those Muslims. I mean, the Christians in Muslim nations who are being persecuted and executed and their heads are being cut off for their faith. And you know what? We do need to pray for them. But you know what we need to pray for more than that? For us that are under the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, that have been lulled to sleep and a spell cast over the laity, that we are settled for a watered-down word of God. Let me tell you something about those guys. They believe this book. They believe every bit of it. That's why they're cutting their heads off. Because they won't give up. They won't back down. They won't let up. But we won't even get out of the bed of fornication. Dang, this is a hard message. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that if you don't deal with it, it's going to be a canker, it's going to be a gangrene, and these symptoms are going to begin to control the world. But there is a cure, and the cure is this. Look at what it says in verses 14 through 17. I'm telling you, when we look at this, it really brings it home for us. And verse 14, here's what it says. I mean, he lays it out in clear form. But as for you... Continue in what you've learned. Firmly believe, knowing those from whom you've learned it, that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures that is able to instruct you to salvation through Jesus Christ. Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God, is God-breathed, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. We need men and women of God who are equipped, who have the full armor of God on, who are charging a world that is spinning in disarray, who is looking to the government, who is looking to nonprofits and say, listen, don't go that way. I know the answer. It's Jesus Christ. Christ and Him alone. Amen. 
the cure. The cure is the authority of the Word of God. Morning. I realize it's heavy. I realize, man, it's not even hard. Not only is it hard to listen to, but it's hard for me to preach it. It's hard for me to share this message. We felt like we were moving off of the Uncomfortable Gospel series, but when we're beginning to look at what the Bible says about these things, it's even more difficult. And so as we've gone through this sermon today, as the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, I ask you to have courage to obey what He's speaking to you. Maybe you find yourself struggling, and for the first time in your life, you just want to stop where you are and invite Jesus Christ to come and live in your heart. Maybe you're already a believer, but man, you've just gone astray. Maybe right now today, you want to rekindle your love for Him. If there's anything we can do to help you, it'd be our greatest joy and blessing.